Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 233 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, my brother, Victor Sinister Rodriguez. And, wow, there are some headlines today, some salacious ones, Victor. I gotta get started with the first one, though, because it made me laugh so hard. Alistair Overeem, if y'all haven't been paying attention, Alistair Overeem pissed hot again, uh, this time for uh, the Glory kickboxing promotion. But I could not help but laugh when I saw our headline to the story on Bloody Elbow in in quotes, an inflated story. Alistair Overeem's trainer says anti-inflammatory drug caused test failure. Okay, the pun, the, the absolute massive puns in the whole thing an inflated story after an anti-inflammatory drug <laughs> i'm sorry i was just so tickled with the headline sounds like the shit didn't do the job now did it <laughs> right an inflated story <laughs> oh man just the idea that once again alistair has pissed hot Oh, I don't even mind though. I mean, he's the, the the man's in his forties. It was for kickboxing. I mean, it's yes, right? Thank you. We get all high and mighty over this shit. Right? Oh, a, my, oh my god! In the year of our Lord twenty twenty three, we're still doing this. My God, dude! We all saw the guy. We all saw what he looked like when he left the UFC. We all saw when he what he looked like when he stepped in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite part was the no horsing around. I'm like, oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> you motherfuckers, you got me good this time. Man, I'm sitting, I'm, I remember I'm opening my phone. I sit on my couch. What was I doing? I was writing a preview or something. I see that and I was just like, man, I just had to put my phone down for me. I'm like, oh, this, this, this ain't the life I'm supposed to be leading, man. I ain't living right. I ain't got Christ in my heart. This is terrible. Who wrote this shit? And then I'm like, I'm like who was it? I'm like, oh, actually, no, that was that was quite nice. <laughs> I respect it so much. It's really good. Oh, oh so my my second salacious headline is gonna make you laugh equally. I love this so much, but I love it because once again, our brilliant, gifted writers, this time Tim Bissell gets my my two thumbs up award report. Dana White's power slap canned by TBS, and then the little the little punchline under it. Hundreds, yes, yes, yes. hundreds of people will be disappointed. <laughs> oh God! Well, doesn't it feel nice? Yes. Doesn't it feel nice to know? Like, and this ain't a matter of like, oh, you guys are tap dancing on this on the the failures of somebody more successful no 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 listen listen if you're already listening to the show you're probably not thinking that which fine i kind of appreciate i still hate you but mm -hmm. i respect that what i have a thing is what i have a thing with this this whole situation is now it, it, it's like you're going to be relegated to the gutter with this thing that isn't <laughs> even a sport nobody cared about we talked about this i was surprised i'm slightly surprised when we found out that it got canceled and then it wasn't, it was actually postponed. And what did I say at the time? 
I said, they probably sold their ad space in advance mm-hmm. and they kind of just had to go through with it and eat shit, see how it went. And the ratings did not deliver. The ratings, in fact, uh, tanked in a fashion that the final episode ended up being a uh, the, the worst ratings of the season. When you have a situation like that, you cannot expect with all the hassle, all the trouble, everything else, you're not going to be able to expect that they'll bring you back. And here he was talking about season two and season three, and we got a steady foundation. We're going to do all this. Okay, well, you can build that foundation over at the anti-woke, uh, you know, uh, uh, I have the right to say the N-word network that will uh, will surely bring in all the darlings, all these people. They will be paying, let me see, let me count my coins here, dozens, dozens of, of pennies per year to watch your little, bro, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. This is this is even worse. Like the Overeem thing, at least has maybe not any real repercussions, right? It's like it, it's 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 at least something that will remain relevant. Whereas the slap league thing, it does not, and it feels fantastic. Not to just ridicule this thing, but to not even have to pretend to give a fuck that this is a thing. Whether or not they continue to do it, well, Nevada's already got it legalized. A couple of other states are making the move, attempting to have it happen. Uh, Aronson and McMahon of uh, Titan, and um, uh, they're, they're, they're working in Florida to try to get that going because, of course, are you surprised that they didn't have this legal laws already in Florida? Aronson lives in Florida anyways. That's where he's yeah. from, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. Aronson, who a lot of people might not remember, if you're not familiar with Jeff Aronson, he was a guy who Cash made his for gold. Goal- Selling gold, buying and yeah, selling gold. Yes, the That's cash right. for gold guy. Yep. And if you want to know something extra, extra, have you ever seen the perfect ten hair care line? That's his wife. His wife is the um is the the inventor of perfect ten hair care line. It's a very high end luxury hair care line. It's actually pretty know. good. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I should be nice to them because I mean, as long as my hair is getting, I should. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and and Lex McMahon, he has been kicking around since before Titan. He was with, um, remember when MC Hammer dipped his toe into MMA management? Oh, do I remember? Uh, Yes, his business partner. Yeah, his business partner was Lex McMahon. Yes. So yes, that was that was their that was their thing, and and they were um. But that's another one. I got to share this. When when this goes live, I got to put this up on Twitter. It was a music video that MC Hammer had yep. using the players that they had under management, including one Brendan Schaub. Yes. So there's, there's another, yeah. another, they had another Rory McDonald, too. And they had a uh, – it was a thing where it was a diss track, actually. I don't know if the fighters were familiar with the intent behind the video, but he was accusing Jay-Z, among other things, of not only being – part of the Illuminati, but of being Satan, or if not Satan, if not Satan himself, an envoy of Satan, which, you know, I just, I, there's something funny about old rappers complaining that younger guys don't give them proper respect or deference. Hey, do you remember a beef? I don't know if you're old enough for this, but I am. And I'm an old rap head, just for all of you out there. If you don't know me, I'm an old rap head, big time. And there was a beef with MC Hammer and um, Search from Third Base. Yeah, I remember that. MC Hammer wanted to kill that motherfucker. There was and, an ima- and it was over an imaginary beef at that. 
It wasn't even real. It was all in his head. It was all in MC Hammer's head. And he wanted to take a gun and shoot Search in the face. Well, you know what's funny? Search has actually talked about this. And and it was really funny to me. Like, people don't understand. There's a picture of, I think it was Snoop Dogg, Suge Knight, Tupac, and, and, and MC Hammer. I think it's, I think that's the group. And everyone's like, you know, you don't realize the most dangerous person in that photo was MC Hammer. Hammer. Yes. <laughs> when you got God behind you, you think you're invincible. Well, it ain't just that. I mean, the man I had know. ties. You know what I mean? Yeah, this this I dude was not walking around without blessing. So, um, th- yeah. It, 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 where did, <laughs> why are we doing this? Yeah. Why are we doing this whole thing with this, this power slap bullshit, this whole, uh, well, you know, we're, we're going to see where this continues. We're going to bring in coaches. Oh, oh, I, I got something. I got something. Now that they're going to be on Rumble, maybe that's where he's going to be able to upload and publish that new video that he said he was going to do, tearing down the media and, and silencing all the, the, the haters and the doubters. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. You really want to do that when you're the one in the fucking toilet? <laughs> my, my place of, of employment is fine. Your little vanity project is the one that's in the shitter. I don't know what the fuck you thought you were doing with that. I don't know who you thought you thought this was going to be a hit. You thought the streets was feeling this. Okay, cool stuff, man. I like it. Good. <laughs> All right. So we are going to bring you some other news, some, some serious news. We started talking about this last week and I mentioned that I felt like Merab Dewalishvili was in Dana White's crosshairs, and by virtue of that, the UFC's crosshairs, for being so loyal to his teammate, Aljamain Sterling, that he doesn't want to fight him. They are like family. They refer to each other as brothers. You cannot get in between that. And by virtue of Merab saying that he won't fight Aljamain as long as he's champion or on his team, that he, you know, he's just not going to fight him, that he's willing to wait for Aljamain to move up, which he has indicated that he's going to do. The UFC has now started withholding big fights from him. Dana White had this to say, you can still be friends and want what your friend has. It would be a really bad idea for Merob to go down that path. Now, this was at the oh. UFC Vegas 41 post-fight scrum. This was a couple of years ago. You know, we're, we're already at UFC Vegas 71. But the point is, is that stands. You can still be friends and want what your friend has. That's what Dana said. Merob had already had a previous run-in with the UFC Regarding that same issue, it was already far reaching way back. It's already been happening. I was right. So check this out. And this was for an interview for the MMA hour with Ariel Hawani. He told Ariel, actually, that wasn't the first time. First time he said that it was right after I beat Jose Aldo. We met Dana White after and he was talking to my coach like I should not mention that. And after that, matchmaker Sean Shelby was saying, he cannot give me the O'Malley fight. He cannot give me the Cheeto Vera fight. He cannot give me Corey Sandhagen or Piotr Jan. Because if I beat them and then I'm not fighting my friend for the title and I understand business. And I was so sad that there was no fight for me. 
Luckily, Piotr pushed for the fight and they gave me this Piotr fight and I'm happy and I appreciate it. They told me to fight Ricky Simone, but then I have an eight fight win streak. I'm the number two or three at the time and I already beat Ricky Simone. Everybody knows whoever wants to watch this fight, just go to UFC Fight Pass. I beat this guy. I know in my head I beat this guy. He's a good fighter, but why do I have to fight him? I understand business, everything, but Aljamain Sterling is my friend. He's my brother. It's all good, man. Aljo has a fight now. He's fighting Henry Cejudo. I'm going to be back in the gym in about a week, and I'm going to help him prepare for Henry Cejudo. And I think after that, he will beat up O'Malley, and then he's planning to move up. If he wants to do it, then I will fight for the title. I look at that. I knew it all along. (laughs) Sarah Longo... One would assume because Matt Sarah and Dana White are so close that Sarah Longo would sort of be immune to this kind of stuff. And that's, (laughs) and that, that is not saying that that is right. I am saying that that is basically the trend that we've seen all along. When Dana is tight with someone from a camp, we generally see the entire camp sort of immune from being thrown under the bus, but not Sarah Longo. He has, not been a fan of Aljamain Sterling for the last seven years. Aljamain spoke out. He piped up too loud about fighter pay, piped up too loud about willing to explore free agency. Then you have Merab who doesn't want to fight his buddy. You have Chris Weidman out there who's talking about, you know, fighters don't actually make as much as the UFC would like you to think. They, they, they lose out on sponsors. They lose out on everything. They are forced to sign posters that the UFC sells and doesn't give them a nickel of. There's a Mm. lot of things that come from that camp that would put Merab in that undesirable category. And him not wanting to fight Aljamain is the prime reason why he's probably going to be stuck just like Aljo was being buried on the prelims and being forced to take fights that serve no purpose for him. Victor. Okay. So two things. Number one, uh, I, I, I understand that. And I agree that, that Dan is perhaps uh, not very, um, I mean, I don't want to say he's going scorched earth on him quite yet. That perhaps might be a bit strong, but he's certainly not handling this uh, in in the kindest way. And it's showing very clearly that there is a bias here. Um, Whether that stems from the thing there, I personally think it's racism. I think the anti-Georgian basis is bias has gone too far and it must be stopped. Um, I feel a little sad, too, that I mean, I'm hearing him talk and I'm imagining him sounding like uh uh, Torgo from the hands of fate going like, now Merab no have fight. Merab is sad. <laughs> he He's got a single tear come running down his cheek and, you know, the eyes of an angel starts playing like, get this man a fight, please. Um, yeah, man, you feel bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, obviously, and you raised a great point as far as the, uh, the Sarah Longo connection. I'm sure he loves Matt Sarah. I'm sure he's more than willing to do many things for Matt Sarah and they, they allow him many exceptions and grant him many charities and and, uh, and many kindnesses and, and, and all the sort of thing. But at the same time, Matt Sarah doesn't control his guys. And I'm fairly certain that he has made that and communicated that to, to Dana White. He's made that sufficiently clear. Hey, man, listen, 
there's only so much I can do. <laughs> you know, these guys, they're they're going to be their own guys. And I would expect no less from Matt Sarah at the same time. I mean, shit, you, we saw how he was during his time as an active fighter. And he's he's been a no-bullshit guy for many things. So, um there's there's you you can't really make demands of fighters just because they're part of your gym or part of your team especially when they're champions i mean you're gonna sit there and tell me that if aljo says yo i'm gonna uproot my shit and go to tristar that wouldn't be a problem you know that would that would be a bit of a loss for that gym you know they've got great fighters they've got great up-and-coming prospects but at the same time losing a champion especially one as as talented as aljo someone who looks like he's in this for the long haul uh, someone who has remained elite for quite some time and looks like he's going to stay elite for even longer, that hurts. And even so, even more so when they're under the tutelage of you know this this umbrella, right? This this uh, network of of gyms and coaches and everything. That's that's a problem. And you compound that with the fact that Marab is yet another talent that is massive, and he is. Uh, you know, not just an excellent fighter. He seems like someone that they can make some good money with, right? He's he's someone who is affable as well, right? He's a little charismatic, a bit, you know, maybe not so. Uh, he's not he's not camera hungry, but you know, he's he's a guy who's got a bit of a presence, and it's nice, you know, to have different types of characters in the game. But man, this is not the way to handle shit, and I'm glad that he put this out on Front Street. I understand that this is also something of a sacrifice that this is something that could get him in trouble. I get that. But better to put it out there, man. I mean, what are they going to do? Cut him? <laughs> you can't exactly do that. He's in there telling me that PFL or Bellator or Ryzen aren't going to snatch that dude up in a heartbeat. Come on, man. You're just going to leave more money on the table here? You're going to fuck that up too? No, nah, you can't do that. So I think that this is another situation of a fighter realizing that they've been sort of put in the uncomfortable position where they have to say something. You know, and if they do, well, I'm going to measure what I say. I'm going to be somewhat cavalier about it so as not to burn any bridges or anything like that. But at the same time, there's a bit of gamesmanship here, right? I mean, there's a bit of shrewd, you know, working around and, and you know, not saying too much, but saying just enough to ease some of the pressure and to get a little more equity, a little more parity uh, towards, you know, whatever form that takes, which, of course, we know there's ultimately not too much of that. So I think there's a little bit of that there. And I think they should be commended for the way they're doing this. There is the flip side of this. And that is being that they are withholding big fights from him. They yes. are going to put his feet to the fire and say, you know, we'll, we'll leave you on the shelf. Either take a fight that you don't like or sit on the shelf. Right. And that's that's going to be the shit or get off the pot moment. It's going to suck, too. Hopefully yeah. all of this stuff. I mean, if he's fine with waiting possibly a year or more for a fight, it's great. But this is the situation that fighters, all fighters are in. It's not just Merop. The only right. ones that are truly able to pick and choose are probably like, you know, Connor, John mm -hmm. Jones. Very, very few people get to pick and choose. So, well, John Jones, depending on the day of the week, too. I mean, yeah. that that you got the te the temperature has to. But no, but you're right. I mean, there he is it, within that handful of guys. Mm -hmm. that, you I know, they're, say, they're, they'll be willing to carve out exceptions for. I would say Izzy might fit in that category. Um, Islam. I don't know. 
Oh yes. I don't know. Muslim superstar. Yes, they've been very big on that on on those guys. Come on, man. Are you Fool kidding? Up. They sat there and they wouldn't even let him have the the pound for pound after he won for a fight that where that it was billed. This is for pound for pound supremacy, and they didn't even give that. it to him. I don't know about that. You know why? Because while that is true. I don't know that that has to do as much with their their the way that they view the money making potential for someone because when they're willing to change pay per view hours for a U.S. audience, which shoulders the burden of the pay per view cost, they don't have pay per view in a, in most countries, but we do here, and we've been bankrolling the sport for a very long time, at least when it comes to the UFC. And so when they're willing to do that to appease the Emiratis, and they're going over there and and then showcasing. Uh, Khabib and, and Islam as the heir apparent. I mean, yeah, they. I'm, he's getting certain accommodations. I would imagine. Maybe I don't know. I don't see it that way. I mm. I don't see him as having the appeal that Khabib had. And I feel like they're always on the lookout for the next one. And I don't well, think that Islam is the next one as far as presence. As no, far no, as, no, no. I don't think he's there. I don't think he's yeah. there either. But in terms of at least in terms of at least talent and and trying to force that. That square peg into the uh, into the round oh, hole. Sure, I, I think they're trying to do that. I don't know because if they're they... trying to do it though, especially after watching them yank back the the pound for pound moniker. That was a a very big symbol to me that they're not as heavily invested in Islam as one might think, because they would have immediately slapped that on there. They would. I don't I know just, if they really care as much about it. To be honest, I'm not sure. It was the whole premise of the fight. Yeah, but as a marketing bullshit point. But after that, do you think they really care once they start counting the money? Oh, like, I, I, don't don't, really... I don't think they care beyond that. But when you are marketing it as that and you're laying it out the way you're laying it out, one would think that they'd want to keep those keep everyone appeased. They're, they're the new Muslim king. And, and the two things can also exist in the same space. Does the UFC always make sense? Nope. No. <laughs> so it could be a bit of what you're saying and what I'm saying all in the same ugly space. Well, you know, I, I just just to bring things back to Marab for a second, it's just like the the advantage that he has is that they can deny fights all they want. They're not going to wait for him to lose. They can't just John Fitch the guy like at right. some point, at some point, he's going to still beat back all these other prospects and be that guy who, you know, that guy who keeps playing spoiler. Hey. Nice prospect you got there. Be a shame if something happened to him. <laughs> he just keeps fucking him up over and over and over. And it's going to probably be inevitable. So I think he probably woke up to that fact as well and 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 might have said, you know what? Hey, what have I got to lose? And indeed, what? I got a question for you. Sure. Who wins, Aljo or Merab? Mm, I have okay. been playing it in my head over and over. And wow, I keep coming back to Merab. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's able to put away as many onion rings as, as Aljo. So if they both start mm-hmm. eating at this. Oh, you mean if I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, shit. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I'd pro- mm. I can't Damn. figure it out either. What a conundrum, right? That is a fight that I would really love to see. I, so I will they. not lie at all. I would love to see that fight. But that's a. That's a hardcore fight. That's not a casual fans fight at all. That's, That's a hardcore right. fight. But I would kill to see it. I would. Wait, who would you kill to see it? Now I got to know this. So you got to answer that question. <laughs> um, 
Uh, maybe you don't have to answer it. Let's leave hmm. that alone. I don't know. I would say, hmm, nobody. <laughs> I've incriminated myself many times already on this show. I don't know that I want to keep doing this shit for funsies anymore. This, this, this is a problem. <laughs> You got too many snitches out here on Twitter. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> so yeah. anyways, take us out of this and give me something fun. Well, I mean, okay, so the definition of the term fun, I mean, it's carrying some weight. You know what I mean? It's, it's. Uh, I don't know that you would really qualify this exactly as fun, but there is some fun to it. Um, I'd like to redirect your attention to someone who is not a fighter. This comes from the Austin American Statesman, and of course, Austin, a city that, with the exemption of one kid, Nate, should in fact sink into the ground. Joe Rogan, who is now 55 years old, yes, believably so, and he's looking pretty good for that age. Uh, he has opened a comedy club in Austin, which has been described as the uh, non woke comedy club. It is known as the Comedy Mothership, and it was. Uh, Pretty big to do, given that they had remodeled the uh, what was known previously as the Ritz, I believe, uh, comedy club. And, you know, man, you know, it's just got some gems in it. It really does. So he's, he's talking about, well, OK, so, so first off, he comes out and he declares, I'm drunk and on mushrooms in my new club. And, and he says, you can't fire me from my own club, bitch, which, OK, I'll grant him that. That was kind of funny. Opening night. You want to hear you want to hear this this collection of winners that they had. Get this. Ron White, okay, cool. David Lucas, no idea who he is. Tim Dillon, ugh. Tony Hinchcliffe, I mean, your mileage may vary. And Roseanne Barr. Yes. Oh, God. The same Roseanne Barr who just had a cracking comedy special on Fox Nation. Sefi, did you see the special? Did you you feel the Roseanne fever? Did you catch it? Nope. I didn't Uh, even know it happened. Yeah, it's the one where she uttered the amazing line, my pronouns are kiss my ass. Remember when she was uh, tapped to sing the national anthem and she belts it out in that awful voice, grabs her crotch, hawks up a loogie and spits on the ground? Yeah. I mean, listen, what people find funny is, you know, it's subjective, I suppose. Look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that she wasn't funny at some point or talented because she absolutely was, undeniably so. But Jesus Christ, like you're hanging out with her in 2023. Ugh. Okay, buddy. All right. Fair enough. You want to know what I find so hilarious about that? I came across a tweet that when you go to that comedy club, one, they take your phone from you. And two, they have cameras in there that get you, if I'm to understand correctly, from the front and from the profile. And they have a no heckling rule. And if you are caught heckling, they ban you for life. And because they have your images on file, they use that camera for this specific purpose. It is to have facial recognition on file of the people coming in so that when they ban you, you cannot come back in. Yes. And these are the people that call... Any left-leaning liberal person, anybody that doesn't fall right in with what they are pushing, they call those people snowflakes, woke pussies, whatever. So, wait, wait, yes. Wait, you're telling me that what they've essentially done is create a comedy club that operates as a safe space? Yep. Oh, wow. Can yep. you imagine? Wow. Well, well, I never. Here I am putting my hands on my hips like Vicky Lawrence and Mama's family. Holy shit. He couldn't have told me that. Wow. Hmm. Beautiful. Uh, what, 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 I, yeah, look, it's not fight related. I know. 
it's not so much we're not just doing this like oh let's just shoot on rogan but it is it is related it is in a way tangential to this because it does illustrate the elements of culture surrounding all of this right i mean this is what we see in combat sports spaces this is the kind of bullshit that gets regurgitated and you know, you see these things happen. If you've ever seen Jake Shields and boy, howdy, you're going to be in for a ride if you follow that motherfucker. If you've ever seen Tim Kennedy, all this stuff that these guys say publicly, this stuff gets said in gyms every day. This stuff affects how they communicate and how they view the world and how they do things. And, you know, I mean, it probably doesn't mean much to some people, but trust me, it kind of does matter in the end. I don't know, man. It's just it's just gross. Like I, at first I heard it. I'm like, all right, you know what? Good for him. It's about time he opened his own comedy club. And then I see this. I'm like, ah, oh, geez, dude, have fun with your little club. You know, good for you. I, I don't you know, I'm not uh, there's I don't think there should be any need for, you know, of course, not that I've seen any, but there's, there shouldn't be any outrage or anything over this. Um, it's fine. It's whatever. But then you see all this other stuff. I'm like, bro, ain't you grown? I just opened by stating this man was 55 years old. You understand? Like, why Why are you doing this? You're taking photos of people and shit? I don't know, man. That read, doesn't... Let me read the, the, the tweet. And this comes from Unfunny Parodius. And this yeah. thing has been liked and shared tens, I mean, 46.8 thousand times. He said, I just found out that they scan your face and keep a record of it. And they take your phone before they allow you into the club. So you cannot record anything. And if you heckle, you're permanently banned on the scan of your face. This yeah. is a safe space for the biggest pussies imaginable. And he has quoted the, this, I, I can't even make this up. The, the outlet that first reported on this was Newsmax. Newsmax. Oh, there were one of them. Yeah, Hollywood Reporter got in at the same time too. I don't know who. I don't know who got to it first. It was but one of the two. The one, the biggest one that I've seen shared more was the Newsmax one. But anyways, uh, other people replied to him. Dave Chappelle started this. That it has been a sh- a stipulation for Chappelle's shows specifically that they take the the phones at, at the door, and yeah. if you heckle, you're immediately ejected. Well, I, I remember guys like Chris Rock doing that, too, in a, a while ago, because it was one of those things where, like, you know, you don't want you, so when, you, when you're doing stand up. Right. Sometimes you work some stuff out. You know, you're, you're still kind of working on some material, hammering some things here and there, trying to make shit fit. And you don't want something to that maybe doesn't reflect the best, you know, because some folks, once you reach a level of popularity or fame, right? They think every night's going to be, you know, you knocking it out the park when you're trying to drum up new material. It doesn't work that way. So the justification there was, well, like, listen, man, you can't just be out here recording and shit. You know, if you get caught recording, you'll be kicked out. Now, as far as the no heckling rule and all that, I don't know about it, but it does seem really unfortunate that the guys that have been pushing this from way back then are now guys that are being known for Stuff like this, right? Stuff for mm-hmm. complaining about cancel culture and then, you know, reaching that old man phase where they're they can't really relate to the audience and they're saying shit that doesn't really resonate. And at top of that, it's not even funny. I mean, have you seen any clips from the Chris Rock special? Yes, and they're horrible. Okay, but how many how many clips are actually being shared? I have not seen not one. There's only one that I've seen. I've seen about. two shared. One is the really bad one where he's talking about Jada and you know the the affairs and and gross graphic detail. 
Um, and the other one is how he's talking about Meghan Markle and how she's imagining racism. I mean, they have shown reports from the security details showing letters being mailed in and phone calls being recorded where people have threatened to shoot her. I mean, yeah. and then the and then Charles withdraws their detail, so they fled the country because people were sending legitimate death threats. And Chris Rock is up here saying that it was imagined that they yes. weren't saying these things and weren't making these very real threats, and that the uh, the royal family didn't actually say they wanted to know how dark the baby was going to be. Yeah, see, here's here's what's going on there. It took him a year to come out and, and do this. I'm sure he probably sat on it because he knew he was going to have an Netflix special. I'm sure he was going to try to. But like a year later, don't nobody give a fuck about this anymore. This is the this is same what you're talking guy. about Meghan Markle and, and the slap. And this is the best you could come up with? More victim blaming? Yeah. Oh, and then on, the, what gets me is this is the same guy that sat there in a video. And I'll, I'll, I'll post this up on my Twitter. Oh, Oh. With Ricky Gervais and Louis C.K., where they are all calling each other the N-word and he's allowing it and yucking it up. Jerry Seinfeld is there. And of all people, Jerry Seinfeld was the voice of reason and said, yeah. y'all, this is messed up. What are you doing here? I can't even. I mean, he literally, when you say the, the term throw up your hands, okay, he literally threw his hands in the air. I mean, he was done with it. You should, Victor, I was, you wouldn't. Oh, I've seen that clip. And let me, uh, yet again, mm -hmm. this is yet another one that's, that's aged like, like milk left on a radiator with kerosene. In. I mean, look who's there. Ricky Gervais. Wow. Real winner. That one these days. Right. Louis CK. Hey, wonder what happened to that guy. <laughs> it's just like, why are, why are people taking point from these? Well, the point that I tried to make with the whole clips being shared thing was usually when a comedy special is great, you start seeing them get shared and celebrated. That's not happening here. And that's that that should be an indication. And I'm sure we'll be seeing more shit like that from the uh, little, uh, you know, from from the comedy club. And look, I hope it goes well. I hope that uh, they're able to, um, you know, thrive with that. They're in Austin. It's it's a fun party city and all that. And, and Austin's you know, like the woke part of of texas though well, he picked the wrong place to put an anti-woke club because oh, austin's no. super progressive it is the one place in texas that is progressive only but only for now all the all the venture capital money coming in all that shit mm -hmm. that's watch they're, they're, they're banking on that yeah that's why all these other guys moved out there that's why all these other you know other folks that have been in that same vein and watch it'll be popular and it'll probably catch on for a bit but no, I mean, who knows? Elon I mean, you know, is here now. It's, I mean, Elon is here now. Elon lives in in Austin as well. Well, yeah, real winner, that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I am just flabbergasted because I shared my one of my last posts that I did um, on Joe Rogan, one of my last interviews, and it was a long form one that I did for SB Nation. And I, I interviewed him for about two and a half hours. And if you read that interview, you would not even believe that that Joe Rogan is the same Joe Rogan that we're discussing right now. Night and day. Night yeah, and day. I know. Um, I know. I used to listen to his podcast to a point like from like episode one for years. Somebody actually pulled a quote from it. And let me read something to you and tell, tell me if this sounds like today's Joe Rogan. Again. 
I'm really not educated enough about medicine and the human body to really comment on what doctors have cleared and have not cleared. If the doctor says Stefan Struve's heart is okay and he can fight again, I will go with what the doctor says. Tell me Mm -hmm. that Joe Rogan is the same one that is today that would rather use ivermectin. (laughs) See, the joke is on you. Because that Joe Rogan decided, you know what, maybe I should start looking for doctors that agree with my preconceived notions and work from there. And that's what he did. Yeah. So anyways, it's just amazing. All right. We are going to break down the main card from UFC 286. Uh, card is good. I am really loving a lot of these matchups. But in the interest of time, we're just going to look at the main card. Uh, the headlining fight is the rematch number three, Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman. This is for all the marbles, but we're going to start at the curtain jerker. Now there were a lot of really good fights on this card. I mean, I was tempted to add a whole bunch of other ones, but I'm not going to do that. I am going to focus on one extracurricular one, though, just really fast. All I want, and I'll ask Mookie this later because I did not include it, but if I were to ask you for just a knee-jerk reaction, just shout out a name. Jack Shore versus Maquana Mirakani. Jack Shore. Jack Shore. I know, I know Mookie would say the same thing. Talk about a mismatch from hell. All right. Um- I do, do you really feel want like, to trust? Do you really want to trust another SBG Ireland guy? I really you talk, you tread this water before. And the thing is, is Mr. Finland used to be so dynamic, and I know he was a diamond in the rough. I just feel like if he could get away from that camp, we might get to see a glimpse of that old Mr. Finland. Because this I hope, one, I hope it's not too late. I really do. I know, right? Man, such a charismatic dude, too, that fell underneath of his own ceiling. Ugh. Mm. All right. So, curtain jerker. Marvin Vittori versus the guy that me and Victor have been on this dude's wagon for a long time. This dude's stand wagon is just filled from top to bottom with just two people, me and Victor. Roman Zalidze. Marvin Vittori. I am taking Zalidze. Mookie is taking Vittori. Half of Bloody Elbow, most of Bloody Elbow is taken Vittori. I have a feeling about Roman Zalidze, and I am not going to stray from it. I don't care. Okay, well, you know, I mean, have we established my feelings on Vittori? Mm-hmm. Have we, have we not, not gone—again, we have tread this water. Marvin, not the smartest fighter. Roman, very smart. Anything Marvin can do— Roman can do either just as well, if not better, especially when it comes to groundwork. He is really, really good at that. So, eh, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know why anyone would think that, that uh, Marvin should be the favorite here in any capacity. I'm absolutely going with Roman. All right. Uh, next up, we have King Casey O'Neill taking on Jennifer Maya. These lines are crazy. Okay, King Casey shouldn't be as wide a favorite. At least yesterday it was pretty the odds were pretty pretty massive. Uh the mm-hmm. disparity. Jennifer Maya, look at her record and look at Casey O'Neill's record. Look at the quality of competition. Jennifer has only lost to people that were contenders or champs. 
I am very tempted to take Maya here. I'm, I'm, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let me hear you wanna, what you have to well, say. You want to nudge? I, I need to hear what you have to say. I'm going with Jennifer Maya. Okay. Casey has skills. She's got athleticism, okay. but I think Maya's got the experience. And, you know, she's just, she's been in bigger pressure situations than this. She seems like she's finding a groove. I'm going to go with her. Yeah. They see, I've been feeling the same way. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and go Maya. Uh, Mookie is going with Casey O'Neill. Next up, the return of the man shark, Gunnar Nelson. He mm. is, ah, oh, man. I don't know if I like this fight or not. I don't know if I like it or not. Gunnar Nelson is taken on Brian Barbarina. Sorry, I uh, got a little sidetracked there. Brian Barbarina, man, what a cardio machine that guy is. And even when it seems like his cardio is running out, he has like the reserve tank. If if you don't ride a, a Harley or a motorcycle, I'm not even sure about other bikes because I've only ever had a Harley once uh, many moons ago. Yes, I can ride. Anyways, uh, there's right. a reserve tank typically on, on most of the bigger bikes. And Barbarina strikes me as the guy that has that small reserve tank. He'll get winded second round, maybe even into the third round, by but by about the second or third minute of the third round, he gets that second wind and can really pile it on. And he knows how to finish a fight. He also knows how to finish rounds. And that sticks out to me. I can't help myself. And Gunny likes to fight with his, he, he fell in love with his hands. I don't mind that because he does have some, some power in them, but I wouldn't rely on those over his amazing grappling and that's the problem i have with gunny is he's too willing to be drawn into a firefight and i don't think brian barbarina is the guy you want to have a firefight with because he knows how to finish the rounds and the fight so i'm kind of leaning barbarina but i want to pick gunny because i'm i've been a big fan of his for a long time i don't know let me hear you yeah i'm going with brian I don't trust. I don't trust Nelson no more. I, I, I just either. don't. Isn't he? Is he still? Well, actually, he's doing his own thing with Team Yolner or whatever. But I mean, come on, man. I don't know. Fight starts standing. Like I, no, no. I'm trusting Brian. He's he's. I as I mentioned, and of course this will be uh, this will be up on the site by the time you hear this. But it just seems to me that Brian has turned a corner, whereas Gunny has declined. I feel like he's regressed a bit, and I don't, I don't think he's going to get it. I just don't think that this is. I think that Brian's kind of, um, after all his medical stuff, he's just kind of uh, found a new bounce in his step, and he's working with it. So, I mean, yeah, the the loss to RDA, I I don't I don't put that as something that makes him look terrible or anything like that. I mean, okay. that could have been anyone. It was a rear naked choke. Yeah. Uh, but before that, you know, he'd beaten Robbie Lawler. He'd beaten Matt Brown. He'd beaten Darian Weeks. Um, I know he's been very spotty, I, 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 but he's pretty solidly dependable at the same time, you know? And against guys that are re uh, on a return, I mean, and Gunny, let's see here. He hasn't fought in a year. 
His last fight was over Takashi Sato. He won a decision, but he'd lost to Gilbert Burns before that and to Leon Edwards before that. Um, he had gotten a win over Cowboy Oliveira, but lost to Ponzinibbio before that. He had. There's definitely a ceiling here. I'm noticing that. Okay, let's see here. Highest, I'm going to say Alan Joban, Joban. Maybe Albert Tumanov would be the highest ranked guys at the time that he defeated them. Okay. Yeah. Um, I couldn't even say Zach Cummings or um, Omari Akhmedov. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna take Barbarina. Mookie is taking Gunnar Nelson. Oh well. Okay. So we get to the co-main event. Wow. This Jeez. fight. Jesus. Jesus Christ! What a fight. Justin Gaethje taking on Rafael Fiziev. I think Justin Gaethje might have. Hmm. I think he might have enough long, drawn-out battles since he's been in the UFC for a lifetime. <laughs> a lifetime. Because remember, when he was in World Series of Fighting, his fights hardly ever went the distance. He was always finishing them. But even in the fights with Palomino, where that you know he would get a second round or whatever, those were a whole fight in and of themselves just in one round. Yeah. So... I'm over here and I'm going back in my mind over the fights with Poirier and the fights with Ferguson and the fight with Chandler. And I'm that's years off someone's life years. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at Rafael Fiziev who doesn't fight with his chin hanging out because he feels like it's invincible, untouchable, uncrackable. Justin takes way too many chances for my liking. Rafael mm. Fiziev fights a little smarter. I'm taking Rafael Fiziev because of that. Yeah, Fiziev has more layers to his striking game. He has better defense. He's the kind of he's the there's a caliber of guy, much like what we saw with Poirier, much like what we saw with Alvarez. There's just a caliber of guy that has a bit more structure in the way in which they fight. And Fiziev has that. I do lament the fact that he doesn't have there should be a sponsorship in place for him with Alka Seltzer because I mean, get fizzy with Fiziev. You tell me that shit wouldn't be <laughs> plop plop fizz fizz, and then he shows up like that's right, bitch. That you you tell me that's not making money right there. That's making money, my guy. No, uh, no, but for real, like I I do think that if you deal with with uh, Gaethje in a way, if you lure him into a brawl and then pull the rug out from under him and go psych, being technical. You know, you're probably going to get and it's hard to do because he's a super tough and yet super smart fighter. Problem is some athletic fighters like Zane had mentioned in the past. Right. Some guys, their 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 body gets ahead of their brain and they do shit, you know, because they they get hype. And, and, and you know, it's tough to say that about Gaethje because his finishing instincts are so sublime. They're lovely to watch because he's so disciplined and patient with a lot of things. But sometimes he does jump the gun. And that's where Fizzy might be able to work it and, and, and really um you know, just just start getting in there and putting him on ice, man. I really think he's not just going to win. I think he's going to get the fetish. So I'm going with Fizia. All right. Uh, Mookie is also going with Fizia. Now we get to the main event. Fight number three between Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. Usman has a win. Leon Edwards has a win. 
I'm taking Usman here because he was beating the absolute stuffing out of Leon all the way up until the end. And I feel like he has probably taken a good stock of that video, of that clip, <laughs> and watched it about 2,300 million trillion times <laughs> and worked on closing that hole like there's no tomorrow. I, I'm not saying that Leon can't get this done. He absolutely can. And this might be the unraveling of Kamaru. That 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 knockout might be the, the, the end here. I don't know. But I have to look at his body of work leading up to that. And I have to look at the fight itself leading up to that moment. Hmm. I can't imagine that Kamaru is going to make those same mistakes. I can't. So I'm going to go with Kamaru and 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 hope for the best. But I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Leon managed to get this done again because who knows? Uh men, women, doesn't matter. When you get knocked out, it changes something in you. And how you recover from that in in the days, weeks, months following that is um the difference maker. So I guess this is where we're going to find out. I need you to back up a second. Tell me more about this man's holes. Okay, no, that never mind. Okay. So so <laughs> my thing here with this fight, right? I, I I really do wonder, and I think Leon made some points that um are very much worth considering, you know, because what you just mentioned, he said that as well, right? Mm-hmm. These a knockout, you don't know how that changes somebody. Exactly. And, you got to wonder, like, is Usman going to be in there? And again, this is where my fascination with the subconscious mm-hmm. mentioned countless times comes into play. Um, is that going to be present? I'm sure it probably will. And I don't mean in like, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, I hope it'll get knocked out. No, no, I don't mean that. He's a professional. He knows what he's doing. He's He's been in some battles and they are one in one. But of course, not all one in one uh rivalries are made equal. Right. I mean, there was domination in the first fight. Almost in the second. And then, you know, we got the big finale. I feel like there's something about that confidence that a champion carries. When you look at the way that that Leon is talking and moving and kind of watching some of the training footage and you see him like, you know what? No, I'm not unstoppable. I'm not untouchable. But I am working harder than the next guy. I am out hustling. And that, that can do a lot of really dangerous things for whoever you put in front of him. And I kind of worry about that for Usman. You know, I think that, Leon's confidence in himself and seeing how Usman fought the first two times, knowing what he does best, now having the prep time, now having more time to study tape and to even um, to, to analyze things even further on a level where he's going to, um, you know, not have many surprises. Because, again, what adjustments does Usman make? You know, I mean, Leon's got plenty of adjustments that he needed to make. And we know what those are, and he knows them too. But does what what is what does Usman do now? Even with a genius like like uh, like Trevor Whitman, you know. And I mean, I understand. I know. I Trevor Whitman has his detractors, and there are there are certain things that his fighters do that you know kind of ain't you know uh, probably not you know not not optimal. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't done great by them, and it doesn't mean that he hasn't provided some insane results with with the talent that he's had. So I'm curious about how that's going to affect everything and i really really think that in the end you know now mentally mentally coming into this leon's got the momentum and i think he takes it 
Wow. All right. I wasn't expecting you to go that direction. Okay. Once again, Victor is being bold. So... Daddy, daddy, stay reckless. <laughs> That's my <laughs> motto. Okay, so let me recap. Mookie is, by the way, taking Kamara Usman. He's also taking Rafael Fiziev, Gunnar Nelson, K- King Casey O'Neill, and Marvin Vittori. I am taking Kamara Usman, Rafael Fiziev, Brian Barbarina, Jennifer Maya, and Roman Delize. Victor is going the exact same way, except he is taking Leon Edwards, so you win. Different from every single pick Mookie made except for Rafael Fiziev. That is the only pick we are in unison on. <laughs> I've been defeated by a child before. I have no shame. <laughs> it's not the, the problem is not losing to a child. It's losing to a Canadian of all things. I mean, is there anything even lower <laughs> on the scale than that? I don't know what that is. Oh, goodness gracious. Mookie's going to be so mad. All right. So on that note, we are going to wrap the show. I know we've been meandering all over the place today, but it was a fun show. And I had a good laugh at some of our salacious headlines. Looking forward to this card because you know what takes a lot of stress away? Watching some good sanctioned violence and forgetting all of the extracurricular stuff. That surrounds that sanctioned violence. Just going to go into it and ignore all the shitty promotion and just look at the fights. How about that? That's, that's, that's fair. I can take that. All right. So do me a favor. Follow this awesome dude. He is on Twitter at Vic M. Rodriguez. He is on OnlyFans at Trot. Uh, <laughs> see, I get to OnlyFans and I immediately start tripping. Tiger Driver 91 on OnlyFans. And his Insta is Victor Sinister Rodriguez. Follow Mookie on Twitter at Mookie Alexander and over at SB Nation's Field Goals website where he is the managing editor. Victor and I work for Bloody Elbow. We ain't going nowhere. Get over there, subscribe to our Substack. Listen to the pre-recorded outro while you're there. And uh, it'll tell you where you can find this show and all the other great Bloody Elbow shows. So until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Level Change Podcast, The MMA Vivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, And as always, on BloodyElbow.com.